I did not come here today to preach at you. I came here today to share with you. And Cheryl wrote a book some time back titled Life is Like a Rose. And it describes life, how life is, and the challenges within it. And this is a book of encouragement. And we want to give every one of you one of these books. So after the service, you can go right through that door, and there's a table that's got these books on it. I think there's a hundred of them, so there should be enough for you. And we want you to have this as, as a gift from us. You guys have been so good to us for so many years, year after year, month after month, you never missed. Even through COVID and the difficult times of COVID, it, it never missed. It was always there. And that's what keeps us going. It's people like you that care enough to stand with us in a hard place. Now, it is a hard place where we are. It's difficult. Myself, I never went to church. I wasn't a church person. I wound up in the banking industry as a lawn officer in a bank. One evening I came in, it was a Thursday evening, and I laid down on the floor and I was watching a paddle fan turn in the ceiling. I said, Lord, if you're really real, I need to hear from you. Because I don't even know. I need to hear a voice. I need to see a shadow move on the wall or something to indicate to me that you're real. And you know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) Not a thing. Thursday evening. Went to work Friday. Busy day Friday. Came in Saturday. Uh, I was drinking my two Michelob beers and watching Christian TV. And uh, Sunday morning at exactly 2.30 a.m., the Spirit of the Lord gently awakened me like you would awaken a child. It felt like a cool breeze blowing over my body, and I thought, well, maybe I left the window open, you know. And then all of a sudden it clicked. Lord, this is you answering me. And my spirit broke, and I cried like a baby. I said, God, forgive me for all the wasted years and those that I may have hurt along the way. Help me to become what you want me to be. You know what he did? He gave me passion for the poor kids. The kids that are trapped in poverty and high violent areas, I just had a passion for them. I was uh, inspired by a missionary that, that's doing it worldwide, and, and I, I saw that, you know, it takes people to do it, like Pastor Betty here and her team. And <clears throat> so by then, I had transferred into Mobile in the banking industry, and and I saw the violent areas. There was a place called Happy Hills that was just really uh, uh, high violence, a lot of shootings, a lot of street fights, a lot of rape and murders. And every Monday morning I was seeing it in the paper and I thought, you know, somebody's got to do something. So I'd go, I'd see uh, 
black folks in line at the bank, and I'd get up from my desk, walk over, and I'd say, tell me about this place called Happy Hills. And they'd say, I don't even go to Happy Hills. It's too, it's too rough. So I contacted my friend in New York, uh, Bill Wilson, and I said, Bill, we got the same problem here you got there, just different numbers, and we need some help. And he said, I'll send you a team to help you get started. And he did. Well, <clears throat> that's been 34 years ago. 34 years. It wasn't easy. When I first went into that project, I saw an old grandma sitting in a wheelchair. And I walked over to her and I knelt down, looked her eyeball to eyeball, and I said, Grandma Barnes, thugs do what thugs choose. But these kids did not choose to be born here. We have got to get the gospel to this generation. You got something we need. She said, what's that, baby? I said, we need your endorsement for you get the word out to the bad guys to leave us alone and let us do what we're here to do. She said, you got it, baby. I knew then we were good to go. We put together the team, got organized, and went out and took the Sunday school to them. And it was awesome. It was really a blessing. Now, the adults would stand back. Moms would stand back in, the, in their house and look out the door. They wouldn't come out to it. But they wanted the kids to be there. So they ushered the kids out there. And week after week, we had Sunday schools there. This went on for some time, and uh, <clears throat> I said, Lord, I'm very content in my singleness, but if you have someone for me, allow our path to cross, that I know it's you. And another missionary said to me, you need to meet this girl in Ohio. I said, I don't have time to meet girls in Mobile. <clears throat> much less Ohio. He said, but you need to meet this girl. I said, give her a newsletter. So I handed him one of our newsletters. I said, see that she gets this newsletter. <clears throat> well, one long after that, I got a call from this girl that was in Ohio. And here's what I did. I told her who we were, where we were, what we were doing, and why we were doing it. And then I hung up. I got that person off the phone. Just another one of those who wants to talk. <clears throat> oh well, so much for that. Well, shortly afterwards, sometime after that, she sent me a prayer card. She was in Paraguay at that time. And uh, <clears throat> sent me her, her prayer card from the ministry there. And I looked at the prayer card, and I said, oh, yeah, this is that girl that was in Ohio gave me a call. I think I'll call her back. So I thought, I better wait till it's late enough so I know she's home. <laughs> so it was about 11 o'clock p.m. I call her up. Hello? Hey, baby, you get the old preacher down in L.A., you know, lower Alabama. You and I had a little chat some time back. What's up? 
And she said, <laughs> Bill Craig from Metro Ministries, Mobile. Oh, okay. So we began to, to chat. And then we continued chatting. And I invited her to Mobile to see the kids. Not me, the kids. She came to Mobile and fell in love with not only our kids, but their moms. So, you know, we need to reach the moms as well. Yeah. Shortly after, Cheryl and I married on the side of our platform, on on our platform, on the side of our outreach truck, in the project with hundreds of kids. It it was amazing. We had a few others that came to the wedding, but most of them were the kids in the project. And it was an awesome, awesome wedding. It should have been such a blessing to me. Cheryl's going to go back and uh, run a little thing of pictures that she put together of some things through the years, and I'll chat a little bit with it, and uh, then I'll share a story with you. <clears throat> you know, it's great when kids are in church. It's great when they got positive influences. But mine wasn't that way didn't have the positive influence. There was a lot of abuse in my life. But uh, when I asked the Lord, he was right there all along. I was, I was the one that was away from him. But he, he changed my heart, changed my life, and brought Cheryl into my life to help me in the ministry. And that's been, what, 32 years ago. So... Uh, we're continuing with ministry and we're shifting gears a little bit to a different type of ministry. Uh, we're in the process of that right now. This was 1989. That's that project in Happy Hills. You saw the graffiti on the walls. They were graffiti on every wall and, uh, kids, kids everywhere. Good kids. Just in a bad neighborhood. There's Bill Wilson, who's the founder of Sidewalk Sunday School. Bill's a very dear friend of ours. Matter of fact, he was, uh, he was injured severely recently uh, overseas with a car bomb, and it, it broke some ribs and fingers and, and burned him considerably. But he's recovering well. He's out of the hospital now, and he's going forward. But he's the man that challenged me uh, at a difficult time for my life. Uh, I hadn't been saved long. I was sitting on the front pew, didn't really want to live. I just wanted to go be with Jesus. And Bill shared a testimony that night that that pointed me toward the need of the kids. Next. 89 to 95, we did the outreach off the truck. It was a potato chip truck we got out of Montgomery and cut the side of it, let it down, made a platform. And we'd go out and we'd, we'd minister to kids on their level. It was a lot of fun. We, we had treats for them and... And they had to, they had to stay seated on the tarp and and pay attention to receive the treat, but they did that and did it well. This was our first group of of uh, mentors and helpers that had helped us in the very beginning. You may see the blonde headed lady in the front, just barely to the right. She she was a Sunday school teacher away from a church that was sponsored by a church. And she had a radio thing on morning and evening, and I would hear it on the way to work. And uh, 
So one day I just, I just went. I pushed the door open and she said, I'm so glad you're here today. Where would you like to sit? I said, please give me non-smoking. And she, and she laughed and, and we just, we just became best buddies and, and she was very supportive to Cheryl and I after we married. Here is Happy Hills, the project. This was wedding day as Cheryl and her mom's walking down the center and you got kids on both sides on tarps. It had just began raining. That, that's what people thought. It was me sweating is what it was. <laughs> but that was July 25th, 91. We tied the knot at a church that gave us a reception afterwards. Next. <clears throat> then here's our Christmas outreach off the truck in the project and ministering to the kids in the project. There's Orange Grove, where we live and have lived for 28 years, uh, doing the outreach there. This was our drama team at that time. This young fellow in the front uh, is Cedric Valerie. He is now Dr. Cedric Valerie. He, he's been uh, a professor at Southeastern University for the last 10 years. Now has a doctorate and four beautiful children, a wife, four beautiful children. Here's our building. This is the building that we've lived in all these years. And uh, a guy, a pastor, came to me and said, uh, I'd like to rent your gym. I said, I don't rent my gym. Would you consider buying it? You know, well, I hadn't thought about that. He said, let me get with my board. He got with his board, he got back with me, and he said, you know, we really would like to buy your facility. I said, okay. We made a deal, and he's in the process of raising his funds to close the deal because Cheryl and I are going to be doing uh, a different ministry. He was feeding the multitudes. We put a big tent up and did a large cooking and fed, fed everybody around. Now, here's Clio. See if you see anybody you recognize. Yeah. That was in 2011, y'all were down at, at that time. There's Betty and some of her team. And the puppets, they did a great job of the black light puppets to our kids. Ministered to them through that. I gave a little message at the end. This is when Cedric was 15 years old. I took him to uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett's in Phoenix, Arizona. He has a pastor school every year and uh, let him see what there was. And Pastor um, Barnett called him up on the platform to to pray with him and prayed with him and anointed him. And then we, we prayed with others till late in the night. Um, Cedric pastored... Metro Ministries Church for a couple of years. It was in his senior, uh, junior and senior high school years. And you know, you think, well, you got a guy that you raised and you think he's supposed to be a preacher. He ain't supposed to be a preacher if the Lord didn't call him to preach. He was a good preacher. He did a great job. But when he went off to the university, the president of the university pulled him under his wing. So this is my man. 
and he he kept him uh, alongside of him until he got his what uh, masters wasn't it Cheryl yeah and then he went on and and got obtained his doctorate. Here's when he was ordained with the uh, Alabama Ministry Network. It was called Alabama District at that time. That's his wife with him. Pastor Cecil Turner, that was my mentor, was with us. And this is a shot of feeding some homeless that was out back. And uh, a Christmas program and gifts, whatever year that was. And then... Uh, the ministry is food, worship, prayer, storing individuals, uh, small groups, and, and recreation. It, it was a little shift uh, during COVID. We had to make a change and did some things a little different. Did small group teachings. Was one of our leaders at that time. And then we had a thing where we had the kids making a Mother's Day card. Look how beautiful that Mother's Day card is that kid made for his mom with a little help from a mentor. We knew that Airbus was coming to Mobile and it would be big when it came. And so I bought a plane to introduce inner city kids to aviation, that they could see something they'd never seen or have an experience riding in a plane they'd never done. So we did that for quite some time. And thanks to the Lord, a huge storm hit the airport and totaled our plane. So we were able to settle with the insurance company and actually came out a little ahead. But that was the end of the flights. So this was outdoor water games, basketball, day camp. Hot dogs and chips. What you got to do with kids, you know that. Next... Indoor games in the gym. Kids love to play the games. Good relations. The second book we talked about is This Life's Like a Rose. And I want everyone here to get one on the way out when they, when they leave. We had a friend of ours that says he and his wife wanted to ride through 50 states sharing Metro. So they had the kids to take a, a marker and, and write their name on the motorcycle. So we had it covered with kids' names. And every time they would stop to get fuel, people at the gas station, what, what's that? What's that? And he'd have a chance to tell them. It's a ministry down in Mobile and uh, making a difference in inner city kids' lives. This is Evan, a young man that came to us a few years ago as a mentor. And he's now taken over part of the responsibilities. Great guy. This was Sam teaching uh, during the time of COVID. Mentors pray with students who are dismissed after mentoring. We always, when we got through, we'd circle up and pray. This is uh, this was Alabama District Council in uh, at Norwood Assembly. And Senator Valerie was an MC and part of it with... Uh, our general superintendent, Doug Clay. So we're really proud of Cedric. 
mentors making application points following a drama. Fall boys mentoring class. Mentor training. You gotta have training when you're dealing with these kids. And this is, this is when I turned it over to Evan to take the student side of the discipleship, um, and go forward with it. Dr. Cedric, 2020. He's one of our board members because he knows what it's all about. He came up through it and uh, he's also been with fac uh, faculty at Southeastern for 10 years now. So we're very proud of him. And here's where Cheryl and I are headed. Uh, Metro Ministries Global Prayer. We've been doing prayer week after week for years now. And we're getting a lot of calls from missionaries all over the world. And what they're doing is they're being very transparent with us and they're sharing the responsibility they have where they are. Uh, Cheryl just told a pastor all ago about an area where uh, during COVID there was 300 pastors that were taken by the disease and, and died. And that left pastor's wives to stand in and be the pastor. Someone that's not even trained for it, but just has to pick up the torch and go with it because her husband's dead. So we've received all kinds of, of requests for prayer. And as this guy said to me he wanted to buy our facility, I said to Cheryl, you know, we're not getting any younger and we really need to make a shift. Cheryl's 70 and I'm 73. That means we don't have 34 more years of doing ministry. I don't think. And uh, so we are going to shift, or we're in the process of shifting, to go to these people and pray with them. Africa, Paraguay, a number of different countries. And across America, church plants and, and missionaries that we know. I told you earlier, it hadn't always been easy. I'm going to share a little story with you. And I want you to listen. Listen to this. This is reality. This is where we live, doing what we do. I was out in the project. And there's a guy named Hawk, a good guy, friendly guy. We loved him. He had a huge drinking problem. He's always had a beer in his hand, always drinking. <clears throat> and as I was meeting him down the sidewalk, I looked at him and I said, Hawk, the Lord is going to return. Are you, are you ready? And he shook his head, no, no. No, I'm, I'm not ready. I said, we don't know when he's going to come. He may come for us individually at the end of our life, or it may be that he comes for all of us at the same time. But the Lord is returning. By then, he had tears coming out of his eyes. I said, it's very simple and very easy to surrender to the Lord. So I just talked him through it. 
and he held out his hand and took my hand, and he began to talk to the Lord, to ask the Lord to forgive him of his sins. And you could just see him free up. He just freed up right there on the sidewalk. Well, it stuck because he immediately quit drinking. And he immediately had a change of behavior where he was, he was more kind and more gentle than he was. So one day I was in the project and I was walking down the sidewalk and I heard, I heard an argument going off to my left. And I looked over there and here's another drunk heckling hawk. I was thinking to myself, I can't have this. So I charge over to where they are. And as I approached, the drunk guy that was cussing him out turned and ran. I thought, that's good. I said, Hawk, you don't need to be in here. I need to get you out of here. Well, just as I started out with Hawk, the guy that turned and ran came running back to us. He had a hatchet just like this, the same size. And he was cussing and threatening to kill us both. And he meant it. He meant it. He had that hatchet drawn toward us, approaching us. And as he got within maybe six feet or so, I extend my hands toward that demonic that was controlling his brain. I, I saw the, the two eyeballs look like they'd been stuck in a, a lighter in a dash of a car. They were both red, just, just solid red eyes. So I knew what it was. It was the devil. And as my, both my hands extended toward him, what arose out of me was the name Jesus. I, I didn't say Jesus. It came out of me. Jesus, when that happened, his elbow locked. I mean, it's like this. He was, he was doing this and he, he was meaning to come on and get us. And his elbow locked and he couldn't do nothing. He couldn't do nothing but just prance around and cuss. So he was prancing around, cussing and carrying on. It came again, but it was a little bit louder, a little more authoritative. And then he stepped back. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to throw that, he's going to throw that sucker now. So I'm definitely not going to take my eyes off of it. And then it came again, the third time. Jesus! And it was like a lion's roar. And you could hear it all over the place. And he turned and ran away. Come on, Hawk. Come on, Hawk. Let's, let's get out of here. You don't need to be in here. So I get Hawk, and we go across the street where Hawk lived. Cheryl and I were out there in the same neighborhood. This is about a month later. And we had these little booklets, uh, Book of Hope it was called, that we was giving out to all the residents, telling them about Jesus. As Cheryl started down this alleyway, she gave one of the books to a guy, and he threw it. It hit the ground, the dust flew. Well, I know Cheryl. Cheryl, you take this block, my block. I'll take this one. So we swapped. And I went on 
passed these books out. Got to the end. I'm out of books. I turn around. And I'm starting back toward the van. Coming along near, pretty near the van. And this guy steps up in my face. And he, he puts a beer can in my face. And here's what he says. I'm the devil. I looked at that idiot. And I said, I'm Bill. He didn't know what to do with that. And he shook that beer can like it was supposed to intimidate me. And he said, I'm the devil. I said, no, you're not. You're Ronnie. And he looked at me real funny. And he said, you are him, aren't you? I said, yep. And you are the hatchet man, aren't you? Well, he was embarrassed. He pitched his beer can down and he says, I want one of those books. I said, no, you don't. My wife gave you one and you threw it. But I do want one. I said, let me tell you something. If you want to serve the devil, and when your life expires like a parking meter, you go be tormented by the demons of hell forever and ever. It's okay with me. But you don't have to. The Lord's got a plan. He said, well, I, I do want one of those books. I said, okay, come on. Now I got him. Walking toward the van. I get over to the van and I, I show him in Romans 10, 9 and 10 how all he's got to do is just surrender his will to the Lord and the Lord's right there for him. Well, he did that. He surrendered to the Lord as the sinner that he was. Then I see Cheryl coming. She still got steam coming out of her ears because the guy threw the book, you know. Come on over here, Cheryl. I said, this is Ronnie, and he just gave his heart to the Lord. And Ronnie looks at us and says, can I pull my shirt up? I said, okay with me. What about you, Cheryl? She said, it's all right with me. So he starts working his shirt up. He gets it up to about right here. And he points out to us where he'd been stabbed three or four times, where he'd been shot two or three times. He showed us the, the lifestyle that he'd been living. But because he was free, Here's what he did. It was about a week and a half, about week and a half, two weeks later. He picks up the phone. He calls the authorities and he turns himself in for acts murdering his wife in New York. You see, the devil used him to execute his wife with a, with an axe. Tried to use him again. With a hatchet. But the Lord stopped it. The Lord put it in his tracks. And gave us then later an opportunity to show him how he could surrender to the Lord. Myself, I didn't do that until I was 36 years old. I missed a lot of life. I thought I was having life because I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. 
But when I surrendered to the Lord at 36, he gave me passion for these kids. Our little kids are in their 40s now, the first batch, and we got many more. But we're going to transition to this prayer ministry. We're going to pray for people all over the world. We ask that you continue, if you would, to stand with us and keep us in your prayers. Because just as I was challenged with Ronnie in the early days, another change, there'll be other challenges. There's always challenges that comes with change. So we need your prayers to continue. Uh, you may wonder, well, if you was a banker, how did, how was it that you shifted to full-time ministry? Here it is. I said, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I am willing. But you have to show me a green light in your word. When you show me a green light, I'll accept that go signal and I'll go. And I was looking for that green light everywhere from Genesis to Revelation. And one Friday evening, after I come in from work, I'm reading my Bible. There it is. John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, You didn't choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father may give you whatever you ask in my name. In verse 17, he says, this is my command, love one another. I saw four things there. Understand you're chosen. Be willing to go. The then part is that he's going to meet your needs and help you with what you have need of for the purpose of sharing his love. If we can just get that. We got people right here, especially young people on the second row, that I know if you get it, if you understand he chose you, he'll choose you to go with Pastor Betty and share the love of Christ with others. It's it it is simple and it's worth it. It's worth it. That's what I wanted to share today with that you can just trust in the Lord and be willing to step beyond where you are to make a difference in someone else's life. You guys have made a difference in our lives standing with us. Cheryl, if you got a comment here. for a long time I've been longer than Bill I was originally called to the mission field when I was 12 at camp and um, I was reading in Acts a couple days ago and he's at the end of his career so to speak he's still facing prison time and death but he knows he's at the end of his ministry time at Ephesus so he kneels down and he gives a word to the Ephesian leaders. Now, I am not Paul. 
I can promise you I've not done things as dramatic as him. But the principles are the same. We know that we are facing some of the greatest challenges of the Christian church today. And you better know who Jesus Christ is. You better know when an enemy comes at you with a hatchet. You better know that the Jesus Christ we sing about in this song is for real. And the way that you know that is stay in the secret closet in the morning. And stay reading your word every single day. I want to specifically talk to those in ministry. You sometimes feel like you can coast. Because man, I've been preaching all my life. Or I've been doing children's work all my life. But you need a fresh word from Jesus every morning. You need the power and the dynamic of the Holy Spirit to help you with what we're facing in this world. And it is not playtime. People stronger than me are falling like flies. But the secret to making it in this life is staying in your secret place and hearing what the Holy Spirit is telling you for such a day as this. Because we are in war. And you better not go fighting with a little Sunday school mentality. You had better understand the full armor of the Holy Spirit. But I noticed something when Paul talked to these leaders. He left with them some pretty strong words. It coming from Acts 20. He says, I'm now compelled by the Spirit and I'm going to Jerusalem. He knows it's his end. Bill and I know we only got about maybe 20 more years to serve him. But we do believe it is, part of it is being overseas. Not so much here in America, although we're going to be starting here in America in praying for people and fasting and demanding in the power of the Holy Spirit that the demons comes off of some workers who are already being attacked by demonic forces. And you got to know the difference. He says, I'm not knowing... What will happen to me there? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I do know when the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And I do know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep me. So in verse 23 of Acts 20, he said, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. I know this isn't a very pretty picture. But when Jesus went to Gethsemane, he knew what he was facing. The disciples did not. And because he persevered in Gethsemane, we have joy and freedom today. And so we need to persevere in intercession first and then go. It isn't all prayer, but I wouldn't go unless you've prayed first. So he's saying, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task. That's really all that we want to do. We've seen a lot of spiritual life in Mobile, Alabama. And we know that we'll probably see some more as we head overseas and as we continue here in America. But he says, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace, I believe with all my heart, we'll still be able to share with people through intercession and prayer groups, sharing the gospel for the first time with people in third world countries that had never heard about Jesus. It isn't like here in America. One of my hardest times in America 
has been preaching this gospel out on the streets and in churches and not having people accept him. That never happened in Paraguay. When I was in Paraguay, there was one of the greatest revivals that I had ever personally experienced. It had nothing to do with us missionaries. It was the time and the place for the Holy Spirit to move. And I'm still believing that will happen here in America. He says, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Verse 25. You never may never see Bill and I again. But we're in this together. <clears throat> and I want you to hear what he has to say to these Ephesians. Although they were really upset with him for telling them that he would never be around again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. But verse 28 is what I want you to get into your spirit today. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You aren't all pastors, but all of you have people that you're watching out, you're looking out for, that you're discipling. So keep watch over them. Pay attention to them. Don't let them slip back into the world. And when you see something, say something. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Verse 29, which is happening already right here in America. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. That's right, if you're in the word of God, he will keep you from savage wolves and false prophets that want to prophesy over you that are totally off. When you're in God's word and you're praying, the Holy Spirit ministers to you who's on and who isn't. Even from your own number will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Verse 31. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Thanks, baby. Verse 33. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. And you, we have the story in the end of, of Acts, which the book of Acts doesn't really end, is his ministry in Jerusalem and how he went to prison. Just because you've served the Lord all your life doesn't mean even these years are going to be perfect. They're not. We're going to have opposition But we have to glory in what Jesus did on that cross and that he's called us to go on and to preach the good news of the gospel. Today, Bill and I want to leave with you a little piece of our ministry. It's not anything great, but to remind you when we're apart, 
of what the Holy Spirit has done in us and through us. And we want to pray over you that you will go on, that you will um, keep watch over yourselves, and that you will stand fast in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we pray over you right now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation in Clio at Calvary Church. And I bless them in the name of Jesus. As we have been together for over 30 years now, it seems like, and they have supported us monthly. Lord, we want to leave something in their hands as a memento, as a memory of what you have done in our lives. And we leave here, Lord, knowing that even though we may not see each other again in this life, we're laborers together in the gospel. And that we go in the name of you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because you shed the blood. Nobody else has to shed blood. And so we do it with fear and trembling and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless every person that's hearing the sound of my voice right now. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to continually use them and challenge them to persevere in the faith. Not to look back, but to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for each one of them, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And would you say on behalf of that prayer, I receive it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Before we uh, do our announcements of coming, before we close, uh, we want to give you a chance this morning. We have honored them today. It's Freedom Day. And we want to give you a chance this morning to plant seed in this ministry. This is good soil, I guarantee you. And so we want to just bless them today as we honor them, uh, that you would do that. And uh, you can just make the check out to the church. We'll make one check out to them. So just make it out to the church and uh, put on your offering envelope, um, Metro, Mobile, or uh, B and C, whatever. Amen. Hallelujah. But uh, you want to bless them. And uh, I want to pray over that blessing. And uh, hey, guys, put up our building, and then we're going to take this off. Father, we thank you right now that you would bless those that would be open to bless, plant seed in this ministry. That it would go to be used wisely and be a blessing upon them. And Father, I, I, I pray right now for the seed planters that you bless them back. God, let them know as they plant in this ministry. God, in the days to come, your spirit will rise up and say, this is the blessing. I'm blessing you back because you bless, you blessed my people. Those that I called years ago to serve me and still serving me. And Father, I just speak that blessing on these people today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So you're coming to do our announcements. Oh, they're already here. Praise the Lord. I know they're going to say this, but don't forget, we want to, want you to remember, they're going to talk about it. 
Uh, but next Sunday afternoon, we believe it's going to be cooled off by 6 o'clock. And so next Sunday, again, Sunday afternoon, we're going to, uh, we're going to have some refreshments and we're going to have a groundbreaking out here at six o'clock. Amen. For phase one of that building. And we'll share some more uh, next week about that. But phase one is the back side of that building. That's the 95 by 125 that will go up and, uh, we'll share some, some stuff about that to you next week. Uh, the money we have and where, where, where that'll take us. And uh, just like we did the building back here, that uh, as time goes on, the money's there, it'll be built, and it'll be finished. Amen. So, but uh, let, let's make our confession one more time. Stretch your hands toward the left or up toward the screen, and let's confess this. Father God, we thank you for the land called the building built, fully furnished, fully landscaped. All parking lots are paved, all paid for. Debt free in Jesus' name. I mean, you believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. We believe it. Amen. Hallelujah.